0: All right, folks, uh, I know you're uh, consuming your wonderful Chick-fil-A's and I'm envious already. Uh, So, uh, thanks for being here, really appreciate it. Just to make sure you're in the right place, this is strengthening our leadership relationships, okay? There are outlines and application worksheets on each of the tables, so if you haven't gotten one, just reach over and grab one, okay? Super. And just want to make sure everybody can see the screen as well. So, um, so while you're eating, we're going to, going to start with a, a question here. Uh, what would it feel like to serve in a church where life, leadership, and ministry are flourishing in Christ? Where the culture of the ministry is a healthy one? Now... As you think about that question in light of your context, that's the environment I think all of us wish we could serve out of, right? Whether we are teaching elders or ruling elders, we would love that the context and the the, um, application of ministry happens in a healthy environment. And so that's what we're going to talk about, specifically focusing on the, the importance of our leadership relationships in making that happen. In creating that environment so my goal today is simply to be a catalyst for you for the conversations that you can and probably should have at your session meetings regarding how we can establish a culture of ministry health in our churches and how our leadership relationships can grow as a as a source for that to happen in our churches okay So the first thing we want to do, and I will just say this, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit. There's going to be some table talk uh, while we're going through this and then leaving uh, room for questions and answers at the end. Okay? so a little bit of talking head stuff here, and then uh, we'll we'll get into some dialogue together and conversations. All right. So so let's talk about uh, culture. All right. Let's talk about culture. What does that mean? Very simply put, a culture is the way of life that defines a group of people. It's the norms and expressions of who they are and if you think a little bit about your church there are obviously norms and expressions that define you that say this is who we are this is our culture this is how we operate and do things around here. All right, And there is a culture in every church even if we can't define it and we haven't tried to discover it. It operates as a almost like part of uh, your iPhone iOS system in the background, all right? Um, Culture, as uh, Carl Vaders has said, is the unwritten set of rules and values that governs everything a church does. And it's the atmosphere in which the church functions. It's the prevalent attitude. It's the collage of spoken and unspoken messages. It's the way we do things around here. Uh, S. Chan said that in one of his articles. So it's extremely important to know what our culture is and to spend a little time identifying it because, as I said, it operates like the iOS uh, system in your phone or the operating system in your computer. It operates that way. And according to Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy and mission for breakfast and a snack. That's The add a snack is mine. I added that in there. But that's really true. It plays out so often in organizations And certainly in churches, we can strategize and plan and have our vision casting and our mission setting and all the rest of that. But if it isn't, if it doesn't take the culture of the church in mind, it will not succeed. It will not go forward. There are biblical examples for this. Uh, Very quickly, I won't read the scriptures there, but Paul ran into this as well both in Corinthians and and Ephesians. Now, Corinthians is the kind of culture we all hope we don't operate in. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because there were quarrels and all that kind of stuff going on in the background. Ephesians, on the other hand, the church at Ephesus had a better record. All right? They were more congenial to one another. They had a, a culture of cooperation. And in many cases, we could say truly a culture of ministry health. Not that they didn't have their issues. But certainly that was uh, the predominant feature of the church in Ephesus. So when we talk about cultivating a culture of ministry health and the importance of leadership relationships in that, we have to figure out what our target is. And our target is ministry health. It's an environment where life leaders and ministry flourish in Christ. And we use the word environment very specifically and intentionally. It's not a program. You can't programmatically approach this. It's organic. And it's like the ecosystem that operates in a church. And for all of us, our hope is that we reach the target that that ecosystem is well-being based on how we impact each other for good or for ill. We are the ones who shape the culture together by our interactions, our relationships with one another. That's how it forms organically and in an environment. So the well-being of those who serve is thriving in every way is how we define ministry health. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and physically. So the whole person and the whole person as they do ministry is thriving in a healthy way. And that's for all leaders. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the ruling elders or the directors of ministries. But eventually it becomes part of how everyone goes about life in the church and is sharing the gospel, and living out the gospel, and serving in the ways that God has called them to. So this is how our life in Christ flows out uh, through the church into the community together. So I'm going to uh, ask you to... uh, Uh, Maybe in between munchies on your chips. Um, Just share for a minute together at the table. Give you about two or three minutes. Very quickly, what are some signs of an unhealthy ministry culture? Now, some of you are from the same church, right? So don't hold this against them. All right? But try and be as transparent as you can be. All right? So take about two or three minutes Share it together. What are some signs that you think are of an unhealthy ministry culture? All right, go. are <laughs> of. That's uh, that, that
1: uh, uh, like people are good early operating. Hosting, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with the choir with jealousy. Uh, Yes, I'm talking about a particular tree. I would say we're bringing it Soft and, and add, <laughs> on top of
2: on top of the too. Yeah. Oh, well, that Everybody exists. a way, uh, a way um, um, that there there to be the to be issue. You didn't. That's... The about that man. I'm to be asking self The
3: bad of Yeah. Yeah. I always like the starting one Yes, uh, yes. We'll be Change this. Yes. Disagreements.
2: Similar to what you said, you know, similar to just the uh, kind of the path of aggressive talking, uh, instead of say, okay, I haven't talked about you, but I'm going to go tell you instead. And, yeah, the triangling and just the, um, the parking lot meetings type of thing. We've all been talking, you
4: know, and we decided
3: we want to do this instead.
0: Um, not that that's ever
3: happened. I'd say, too, we should be like,
0: Alright, I'm gonna give you about thirty seconds more.
3: And um, it's only people try to ideas
1: unmanaged financially
0: Wow. All right. So, I'm going to ask you to very quickly at your table, two or three of you share what were what were the were there common ones that came up, and if not, just share maybe some of the ones that you you identified. Start at the back there. Okay. Gossip. Okay. Coming up here.
1: Said a culture that presents one way but operates differently. Uh, we talked about triangulation and conflict aversion in that. Um, unity versus uniformity. Somebody was talking about, like, you know, differences in ideas, but kind of it says you have to believe a certain way or operate a certain way. Uh, inability to develop new leaders, and no new leaders being developed, and a lot of staff turnover.
0: Okay, good. Over here.
3: <laughs> um, we talked about people who won't talk to each other. There's different groups, and they talk about people who have um, blinders on and will only see what they want to see. Um, we talked about uh, those who say one thing and then go to the parking lot and
2: say what they really Ooh. wanted to say.
0: Okay, goes to the gossip piece. Yep. yep, all right. Good, all right, back in the back. We've always done, We've always done it this way. way that puts the brakes on pretty much everything, right, that you avoidance, don't want to do.
2: Avoidance of change. Okay. And also um, the, uh, being in, not being willing to be intentional about,
4: you know, including the next generation or, you
1: know, being
0: able to mobilize all those This Okay, this is, this is my church. This is our church. Don't bother us with yeah. the, that. Okay. Guys? <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know if we had anything new, did we?
1: Well,
2: we talked about communication how if you can have unresolved conflict in some area that kind of festers and spills over into other areas mm-hmm. that, um, that needs to be
4: addressed.
0: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Great, great work. All right. So you all know what the ugly underside looks like, right? All right. So let's talk for a minute about um, some signs of a growing culture of ministry health. One of the ones that was that came up from the back there, which is really huge and kind of foundational for this, is trust. Trust, among, especially among the leaders. Nothing is more important to cultivating this kind of a healthy culture in a church than trust. And the relationships that we have as leaders have to be built on that. It's foundational, and it becomes a springboard into everything else that we do. Uh, Patrick Lencioni uh, has written a book, Five Dysfunctions of a a leadership team, the church, okay? So, if you look at his triangle, the bottom foundational piece is absence of trust. And he identifies also the idea that that's, it's connected to invulnerability. It's almost like, I, I'm all, I'm all, all sufficient. I, we, I can do this on my own, all right? And I don't need anyone else. I don't have to trust anybody else, okay? So, um, stated positively, we need to trust one another, in our leadership relationships. We need to be able to have the safe and honest communication that will contribute uh, to this. Without this, you have disunity, you have factions, you have the conversations in the parking lot and the gossip that's going on. Um, Also, without trust, and I, I know this happens, that even in leadership relationships between TEs and REs, if trust is not there, there can be that sense of isolation at the table. Mm -hmm. And some of us can end up feeling marginalized. You know, why am I even here if we can't have the trust to carry the mission forward? All right? I will tell you a little bit of a story. When I was pastoring, um, became a pastor of a redevelopment work bringing three congregations together. The core congregation was a historic congregation, mostly people over the age of 65 when I was 28. And um, they had dwindled down to about 10 people, all right? And so we did a lot of work up front, building relationships, praying together, transforming the facility. It needed some upgrading and all the rest of that. First Sunday, launch Sunday, I had one elder. Now, I was in a different denomination then, but I had one elder. Mr. Petrie was 85, okay? Okay. And he was standing at the back on our launch Sunday handing out the bulletins. And literally, so some of you may remember this, we were on the cutting edge of taking the pews out and putting chairs in, okay? All right? Right at the beginning of all that. A lady who had been a part of the church originally, lived in Florida, came back, heard about this, was visiting in the area, walked in the back of the church, Mr. Petrie standing there handing out the bulletins. She stood there for a minute and said, what happened? everything changed. Mr. Petrie, 85-year-old elder, said, nothing happened. That's why we changed.
3: (laughs) That's a good elder.
0: (laughs) We had built trust, and that's the evidence of it, where even the changes you need to make, people have bought in because they trust you. Our former pastor, talked about this with us as elders. He said, you trusted me even with some of the things I've suggested have been a little off court, you know, just a little bit wild. Because you trust me, we've been able to work through that. So trust is absolutely foundational. Another sign is our values are getting clearer. So let me give you an example of this. We talk about grace all the time, right? It's the foundational truth and doctrine of our denomination of the gospel. And yet, what happens when we fail? What happens when someone steps off the rails? Are our values that clear? And are they active in our congregations where grace truly can be applied in those situations? In a healthy church culture, it's no longer just on paper. It's actually being lived out in the congregation. Okay, We're able to ask the questions that reveal what we actually believe to be important versus what we say we value. Um, one of those areas, too, that I think we're all running into by virtue of media and events that have happened over the last few years is that there needs to be a difference between Character and competency. We have elevated competency above character. That's a value that exists in a healthy church. Character precedes competency. Okay. So very important. Here's another one. We listen well and talk less. Okay. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Winston Churchill, all right? Um, it take, we, we talk a lot in our culture, but we don't listen very well to one another. And a healthy church culture, healthy leadership relationships mean we pause, we sit back, we listen well. In many ways, and I believe this to be true and t- and actually teach another workshop on this, is that listening is actually an act of hospitality. Hospitality is defined by making room. And when we make room for others in our space, and between our ears, and exercise that hospitality, we have the ability to build a culture of health. Okay? Here's the other thing. We become more comfortable inviting conflict to shape our discernment process. We talked about conflict several places here. We are definitely a conflict-adverse culture. No question about it, all right? However, all conflict is not bad. It's not all bad. How we view uh, conflict can make it bad. So David Rohrer, in his book, The Sacred Wilderness of Pastoral Ministry, he identifies the temptations we face when we try to avoid conflict. Here's what he says. We defy to either flight or fight. Fight or flight. Fear, which is flight, can lead us to become the fixer-upper, the redeemer of all things negative. We confuse peacekeeping with peacemaking. Becoming a warrior, which is fight, requires us to win and establish that we are right. As a result, we slowly creep into narcissism. And then he says this, If avoidance of controversy and maintenance of the appearance of stability are your highest aim, then you will never go far in leading people into the truth. So we cannot be conflict avoidant. We have to engage it. Um, Side note on that, there was a great TED Talk a number of years ago given by a woman who was um, a physician, and she was talking about how women entering into the medical practice early on in England was such a challenge, but there was one woman... Who had decided that uh, she wanted, that she believed that prenatal x rays led to uh, cancer and uh, other things happening in children uh, after birth, okay? And so uh, she actually presented that to the Medical Association in England. This was back in the 1950s. And uh, that course rejected that, it was standard practice. What she did was she got someone to come alongside of her in her research and ask her and challenge her at every step of the way to prove that she was right. She intentionally invited the conflict in to the process. End of the story, they no longer do those, right? Because it was proved to be true. So. We need to invite it in and make it a tool because it can result in new outlooks and options in the face of new challenges. It can create resiliency among us as we banter those things back and come to conclusions together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Unresolved conflict in our ministry that we do with PIR and among pastors. Unresolved conflict is the number one reason for unplanned exits from ministry. Number one reason. 50% of pastors will experience an unplanned forced exit. And conflict unresolved is the primary reason for that. So the other one is leadership is a joy and not a burden. Here's a sign of a healthy church culture. You look around, and people are actually happy about what they're doing. There are smiles on their face. They're not walking down the hall of your church kind of grumpy. You know, all the time, and just he- just hating what they're heading towards. Um, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, you can look it up. Uh, it talks about how it's how important it is to make leadership in the church a joy, and that's our responsibility. All right, you look around. There's contentment, a sense of significance, and purpose- purposefulness among people. So leaders in this kind of a culture are cared for and supported. Self-care is encouraged among each other, pastors and other leaders as well. Okay. So those are some signs, not exclusive of all the signs that exist, but some of the ones that are really critical and important. Let's talk about cultivating this culture for a moment. What are the three keys to cultivating a culture of ministry health? All right. The first thing is, here's the big idea, the intentional activity of ongoing collaborative conversation among church leadership with the aim of ministry health as a significant part of the church's culture. The key to that is the conversations and the intentionality of that. But there's also a piece that has to come before that. And the first piece is awareness. Your question that you need to ask at the beginning of any process of figuring out can we build a culture of ministry health is is our church a good and safe place in which to do ministry and to be a ministry leader. So what I want to do is ask you right now. Take a sheet of paper, your outline, flip it over and blank, don't don't show anybody. Answer yes or no. Answer yes or no. Your church is a good and safe place in which to be a ministry leader. We're going to do this like you do your, your voting in the churches, right, annual meeting. Just flip it over, and that's just for you to know whether it is or not. And I trust there was an honest assessment. Okay. So, we need to examine our culture. What's in the petri dish? What's growing there? Is it looking pretty green and awful? Or is it something that's healthy and contributing to growth and health? We need to take a patient, hard, honest look at the landscape of ministry in our churches. Before we ever start trying to figure out can we build a culture of ministry health, how are we doing right now? That has to be the first place that you, you start. So a little bit of table talk again. I wanted you to take a minute, and I want you to describe what animal Would you use to describe the current culture of ministry at your church? What animal would you use to describe how things really are in your church right now in terms of the culture? All right? So, go. You got three minutes.
1: Keep the litter box clean. <laughs> I really like my like, 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. I know. I know. I know. I I I I I I the determination to... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just no you know one wants to say <laughs>
4: no. No wants I, have, I don't know Like just sort of. It's happening but just one sort of, of just, like,
1: We'll talk about this uh, in the next week. But it, sure. if it's okay, if I mean it in a bad way.
0: It's just like, we know where
1: we want to go, but if we're not, okay, we don't
3: want right to You're
0: right, we'll get ahead school, And we can't get
1: yeah. out All right, 30 seconds. Some I've of you already have, done. I have to slow myself now. Some of it, some of it's just siloed, some of it's a lot. Yeah, people. about that, so not as that
0: You can see I need to add a little more time into things for let people talk. This is good. This is good. All right. All right. Thank you. So, very quickly, animals. Share. Just shoot them, Just shout them out. Cats. Cats. Herding cats. P.I.R. Ministries. Her. We herd cats. Right. I'm the bad, <laughs> <we heard cats. laughs> right. the bad Oh, okay. Bad badgers yeah. and otters. Badgers and oh, badgers and otters. Okay. Deer. okay. Ferret. <laughs> Ferret. Okay. A deer. Oh, a deer. A little skittish. Okay. A little skittish. Okay. What else? Deer,
1: gazelle, like good in spurts, but then get tired and become
0: vulnerable. Oh. Good. Turtles. Turtles. I think you you said turtles. Yeah. Turtles. Right. Sloth. Sloth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah.
3: Josh, shared one I love. Roadkill.
0: Oh <laughs> kill Oh my goodness. Okay. John, uh we'll sign you up for a coaching uh, session here soon. So we have a winner. Oh yeah. Wowzers. All right. Good. All right.
3: Yeah. Because um, you know lion is the pride is taken by the leader, the old
2: lion, and he gets beat up and he goes. Our church has had eight different Headlines in the last 23 years, mm. so they leave and they're bringing in another
0: headline. Mm. Okay. Meet up and another headline. Mm. Wow. All right. Far too much of that. Far too much of that in our churches. Okay. So the first step in cultivating a culture of ministry health is simply taking a good, honest, hard look at who we are and how we operate. What's our culture right now? The second step, and I already asked that question, the second key is partnership. And this is where we get into strengthening our leadership relationships, because leadership is the catalyst for this kind of culture. You are here as a ruling elder or teaching elders, elders in the church. You are the catalyst for this. You are the first place that this has to happen in your relationships with each other before the church will ever grab a hold of it. Cultivating a culture of resilience and health and ministry life cannot be and should not be the work of a pastor alone. It can't be. It has to be all of us working together to create that kind of environment in our churches. It begins to take relationship, uh, form in the relationships we have as pastors and elders, and then it moves out into the congregation where they see it modeled and they see it explained and lived out. All right, so, and here's the second question. How can we as pastors and lay leaders share in cultivating that culture of ministry health? How can we do that? How can we build that kind of relationship with one another that then overflows into our congregations and make them places of joy in ministry and serving Jesus, okay? Are our leadership relationships either a source of dysfunction or are they a source of setting the stage for effective ministry in the church? So, rhetorical questions. Two rhetorical questions. What results from leadership relationships that are adversarial rather than hospitable? Think about that for a moment. What, re- what results from that? Tension. Distrust. Distrust, wounds, Wounds. failure, Failure. paralysis, Paralysis. anger, Anger. entrenchment. Entrenchment. It's not like you guys know any of these words. (laughs) Wow.
3: Abdication.
0: Abdication. Fear. Fear. If we can't sit at the table and be hospitable, make room for one another. How is it going to be possible for us to in, in, engage our congregations in that kind of work? It can't happen. It can't happen. All right? Now, there's some solace to be taken in the fact that Jesus had this same issue, right? You know, with, with the brothers and all that they wanted to accomplish. And he had to talk them off the, the limb several times all right? <laughs> about power and control and those kinds of things. They were on the road to setting up an adversarial relationship within the 12. And Jesus said, not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right. So what's the result from leadership relationships? And I'm going to step on some toes here. That are business only, simply running the show rather than shepherding together. Uh What's the result of business only, like running the show, Versus shepherding together.
4: Um, willing to cast out
3: the one for the sake of the 99?
0: <laughs> In terms of?
3: Uh, it's pragmatism. Pragmatism.
0: Pragmatism. Okay. This is a tough one.
3: It's done, but it destroys relationships. Okay. Lost opportunities
0: for discipleship.
3: Ooh, yeah. Sure. Go, just going through motions instead of... Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: Having meetings for the sake of having meetings. Mm-hmm. So it the pastor is more of a CEO, uh, kind of like
4: the success is, oh, did you bring more people into the church kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, if not, you're <laughs> out.
0: Right. The metrics that we use become very, very much that way. Right. Yeah. Okay. again, Hebrews 13, 17 is a pivotal scripture verse in in my thinking in regard to this, because it talks about the fact that we are called to watch over our soul of the souls of the people together. We are entrusted with the souls of those that God has put together in our congregations. And so we have to have that sense of shepherding this together. All right. Far too many churches are dominated by uh, this business model, and I, I will not get on my hobby horse there because this is a big deal for me. I think that we see this far too often, and it causes so much tension in the church. Okay? How can you help
2: people if you don't know them? How do you help people when you just go through the motions and don't get into their hearts? Yep. Developing relationships is a big, a big
0: thing. It is a big thing. You can, and unfortunately, our culture mitigates against that. Time uh, is very, um, I will quote unquote, precious. People don't want to invest that kind of time in those kinds of relationships. Okay. Um, so under this one, I want to. So I'm, I'm giving you three keys, but now I'm going to give you five principles (laughs) under this one. Okay. So not to get too confused. All right. So if we're going to build these kinds of relationships, there are five things that are critically important. The first one is a commitment to mutual submission under the Lordship of Christ. Now that sounds really good, but you know what it doesn't look like, all right, in your churches, in your session meetings, all right? Do you remember the vows when you became uh, either a TE or an RE that you took? There was one of those that they snuck in there when you stood before the congregation. All right? It says this. Do you promise subjection to your fellow presbyters in the Lord? Now, that's rubber meet the road kind of stuff when you're sitting around talking about difficult things in a session meeting, direction of the church. But this has to be first and foremost that we come to that table Shepherding together, mutually submitted under the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to be there. And even if you have to print that and put it on the middle of your table, hang it on the wall as you enter the room, so that you're all reminded that this is where we begin in our conversations together. Okay? It requires a posture of humility and of respect for one another. Hospitality of heart and mind toward one another kind of flows out of that. This is the spirit of making room for one another rather than hanging the no vacancy sign over our hearts and our minds. All right. This results in gospel reasonableness regarding our opinions. I can't tell you the number of times I have sat in session meetings or talked to pastors where the idea of reasonable discussions cannot happen. And yet the gospel calls us to that, to sit at the table together under Christ and have that kind of grace and hospitality towards one another. Number three, acknowledge and protect each other's humanity. This is an important one, especially for pastors, but for all of us as we serve in ministry. It includes understanding and acknowledging our brokenness, that we bring that with us, And also, our limitations. Whether we are TEs or REs, we are all still sheep. And we all come to the table broken and limited. And so we need to acknowledge that and protect each other in that regard. When we make mistakes, when there is stress in each other's lives, when the challenges of life have started to overwhelm us. Anybody experienced that in the last couple of years? No? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So we guard each other. This is where shepherding starts with each other in how we protect and guide and guard one another. Protect our time, protect our need for rest, knowing it's time to pause and stop pushing, right? Those are all important pieces of this. Here's another critical one. Encourage each other's growth as disciples that we are spending time together as leaders, learning how more and more faithfully to walk with Jesus, personally and together. Not the business of the church, but how we walk with him together. Our first call, brothers and sisters, whether you're a TE or an RE, was not to our ministry. Our first call was to what? Follow Follow me. Jesus did not die for your ministry. He died for you. He died for you. So we need to be able to say to each other, how are you doing? How is your relationship with Christ growing? Where are those pinch points? How are we encouraging each other in spiritual rhythms of life and growth in Christ? Those are critical pieces. We cannot give away what we don't have. And if our life in Christ as leaders is not robust and growing, we cannot give that away to our congregations. So this is really important, to encourage one another in this, okay? Number five, build an environment of safety and vulnerability as well as accountability. So I'm not a fan necessarily of the word accountability. I prefer a word advocacy. That in Christ, I can be an advocate for you. Now that means hearing where you really are, but then advocating before Christ and with you for the grace that you need to work through whatever it is that you're facing. But the point here is to build the environment of safety and vulnerability where that can happen. Um, We worked with a pastor, actually several pastors in this kind of category, where they um, had the audacity to tell their congregations that they had mental health issues or medical issues. And the result of that was that they were terminated. Now, we can all shake our heads at that, but it's a reality. And it's sad that we cannot be safe and vulnerable with one another enough to embrace our brokenness and our limits and the challenges that we are facing. The The session of your church ought to be the safest place in the world to do what James tells us to do in James chapter 5, which is a long forgotten verse ignored by us Protestants because those nasty Catholics do it, okay? What does it say? Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. That ought to be a mantra that exists in every session. Paul Tripp. Uh, There it is, yeah. If we are afraid to confess sin or admit mistakes before what should be the most spiritually mature community in the church, we are sadly living in a state of functional gospel amnesia, no matter how robust our theological grasp of the gospel is. absolutely true. All right. So first key, awareness. What's in the Petri dish? Where are we at? Second one is partnership, building that kind of environment on the leadership level. The third key is this intentionality. Last one. Culture needs to be created, shaped, and maintained. It's not a one and done. It's something that needs nurturing and cultivating You know, like you do in your garden. You get in there every once in a while and you pull the weeds out. It needs that kind of maintenance work. It doesn't happen automatically. I think all of us have faced a a huge number of challenges during the last two years. In terms of COVID and all the rest of that. We've endured conflict and we've been trying to maintain unity. and, And just figure out how to do church in a brand new world. Okay, But if we don't have commitment to this. We will not succeed in creating a culture of health and leadership relationships that will uh, endure that. Commitment is in the face of those challenges because those challenges have the uh, ability to erode our efforts, efforts. So we have to commit to this ongoing work. It is the intentional activity of collaborative conversation among church leadership. Ongoing. So... Intentionality is a huge piece of this. Another piece of it is discipline. It's not a one and done. It's a work in process. It's organic. Um, we, We need to practice this. All right. We have to have the practice mentality to create this. We are going to mess it up a little bit along the way. We're going to misstep. We're not going to hit all the marks. We're going to struggle with it. But there has to be that discipline to say, this is worth it because of the effect and the result that it will have in our congregations. Practice. Okay? Allow ourselves grace to fail and start again and fail and start again and fail and start again. And and start again okay. Now. This can be, if, if we do this, these three keys, the five principles. You know, I've got the program down for you. So if you just follow this, it'll be all great. All right. But you remember what I said at the beginning. All this is meant to do is to be a catalyst for the conversations you need to have in your situation among your leaders. That's where the work happens. It doesn't happen in a workshop like this. We can maybe get you going in that direction, but the rest of it is up to you and the Holy Spirit. All right. But this can become a place, your church can become a place where life, leaders, and ministry flourish in Christ. So here are some things that I just thought. Expectations are clear. Okay. Patience and trust are fostered. Love and grace are modeled and experienced. Issues can be honestly and graciously addressed and solved. The presence of Jesus becomes unhindered. Amen. Okay? The freedom to explore the opportunities that God provides without the fear of failure. Because we're going to know that we're going to screw it up. But we're going to keep at it. Wouldn't you like to be in a place like that? I sure do. Okay? So, here's the question. Oh, you're taking a picture. I won't... Uh, I scanning. So yeah. Scanning? Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yep. So, Here's the question. Can
2: you
0: go back one more time? Nope. Go back one more time. <laughs> all right. I, I created a monster. Sorry, that's all right. Thank you. Okay. All right, so here's the question. What's the first step? Where do you need to begin at your next session meeting next month? I want you to talk about that for about three minutes among yourselves. What's the first step? Where do you feel like the first pinch point is that you need to address? All right, take about three or four minutes, and then we'll wrap it up with some Q&A. All right. So first off, I want to say thank you for doing the hard work. It was easy for me to read from my script that I prepared. The work that you've done around the tables is good work. Thank you for doing that. And I hope that that gives you some sense of, ah, we can do this when we get home, OK? Now, these are strangers in a large large degree, so maybe that is helping. But anyway, Um, so questions that arise that you've talked about, you go, wow, well, what about that? Questions? I don't
1: know if this is a question. This is a statement. I'm sorry. You asked for questions. But it, its um, i have seen um, at times where a generally healthy—it seems like a generally healthy um, leadership at a church gets off the rails when they when they lack the uh, courage to really confront um, those who cause disruption mm-hmm. in unhealthy ways mm-hmm. because they want to just kind of like keep everybody nice. Um, and I think that's a significant piece of all of this is we have to have the, the boldness to, to really lead that last 20% of the way sometimes.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a good word. It's a very good word. Working with a pastor right now, um, he went to the church uh, with all the usual promises You know, of what that church would look like. The former pastor had promised that he was, he was still there, but he was going to leave. Not so much. Okay, huge division going on in the church. Uh, through a lot of counseling and stuff, encouraged him to do exactly that. Now, he is suffering, but it's good suffering. This is a church that has now the potential to truly move in that direction. It hurts right now, but it's, it's important. Uh, anybody find the word nice in the scriptures?
3: The law law commandment. Oh, it is? <laughs> wow,
0: well, you guys must have went to the same <laughs> workshop. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, that's right. Vodibakam. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, Thou shall be nice.
1: <laughs>
0: it was. It was really cool. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. Uh, Roy, um, if, if a church finds it's, and, and I, I don't guess it matters which one particularly, but mission, vision, values is not aligned with culture, do you change the culture or do you change the mission, vision, values?
1: maybe there's
0: not an answer to that. Uh, that's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, because mission, vision, and values can be um, idealistic sometimes. Okay, where we want to go, where we, who we want to be. Nothing wrong with painting that picture. But you have to, the, the, the dissonance between the two is you have to be able then to work that culture in that direction. Don't change your mission and vision if you really believe that, if God's given that to you. But start to work that culture towards it in these ways.
3: Yeah, that might be a little hindsight in my of view.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: We use the phrase um, dehumanizing a lot, but the, the phrase that came to me was rehumanizing hmm. in terms of, you know, how do we rebuild those kinds of connections? Like, they're not just an ideology. You know, they're a person. The third point you had about acknowledging and protecting each other's humanity, to me, part of that is: this is a person with, you know, specific wants, needs, hurts, mm-hmm. joys, mm-hmm. Um, and and being able to build those bridges of really re rehumanizing one another at the table versus they're just a person with a different perspective. And so much of social media, mass, whatever it is, has caused the dehumanization of an inability to have those connections. So that's really
0: a basic building, rebuilding of that. I think it has to take place. Sure. So uh, what do you think was Jesus, one of Jesus' most important ways to do that among his disciples, but also among all the people that he encountered?
2: He loved
0: him. How did he do that? Meals. How did he do that? Meals. How did, okay.
1: He did did a lot of listening.
0: (laughs) So he did a lot of listening. And listening that came out of questions. Questions humanize people. It acknowledges, it honors somebody. It says, okay, so tell me about your story. Tell me about what you're dealing with. Tell me why you asked that question or did that thing. That values them. And Jesus did a lot of that and then listened well. Okay. Okay.
3: I have a, que- a question, you can put me to a resource or a person or, or whatever, it's part of why I, I came today. So our, we're a 10-year-old church, uh, and I'm happy to say that we've had, a, to this point, a healthy leadership culture. Um, uh, we, we, we're just in a rapid growth pattern right now, I mean rapid, um, and uh, there's no slight slowing down. So I'm trying to figure out, that's why I came here, is how do we keep this healthy leadership mm. as we move in the 300s and the 400s, and the building project, and mm-hmm. without becoming like, without getting like the, the founders, project I can climb to the church. So, somebody's the founder becomes their worst enemy sure 10 years later. So, I'm trying kind to of personally guard against it as well. So, yeah, I have a leadership uh, that's nimble enough to, to do this, but yet to grow with. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's going to have to expand. It, it, that's we're, a huge we're challenge. We're going to do this, and that's okay. That's what God wants. I just don't think it is at this
0: point. It's a huge so, challenge yeah. to do that. And it, it takes... So the last thing of intentionality, on steroids. Yeah. Okay? Commitment, discipline, and practice. And to, to reiterate your values over and over and over. Do not let them slip. Do not... This is my advice. Okay? Do not let... The busyness of the season that you're in, and it, it's a good season. Co-opt that foundational piece of building those relationships. You've got to have, you gotta allow for the time and space to to keep nurturing that. Okay. Now, takes it's gonna mean setting priorities, right? right, right. Okay. But um, as far as giving you a resource, uh, anything come to mind? Anybody else? <laughs> um,
3: well, a, I, I'm just thinking of Todd Bolsinger's work. You know, it, oh, yeah. Conflict's going to be inevitable. Sure. And, and being resilient to navigate you know, the inevitable nature of, of growth and the, the pains and the challenges that brings.
0: So canoeing the mountain might be a good, um, good resource. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. That's good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Can I make a comment?
4: Sure. Getting
0: under there. Um, you've obviously
4: been blessed. And a lot of things are going well. You have a group that has figured out you'll say your mission, values, et cetera, kind of commentary. But people have probably the, the people involved have probably bought in. To grow your like, you are going to need to grow your leadership staff. Mm-hmm. To grow your leadership staff. The managing expectations from the get-go of what our true base values etc are and where we're going how we're going to do it and involve them early I think is key especially if you involve some younger people only because they may not have the experience or wisdom that you have in life as a whole let alone some of the stuff that we're talking about here and so that's one of the biggest challenges I'm a retired physician who Works in a very very large organization, mm-hmm. and I will tell you that's the biggest problem that they all struggle. Is they did great when they were a destroyer, mm-hmm. but then they become an aircraft carrier, and it's really hard to turn. It. Yes. As the analogy
0: Yeah. So
4: you got to have. The, it's hard to grow that, and shepherd that. But I think that's the goal. Yeah. Or at least it's a thought.
0: Good word. So, Thank you. Appreciate that. S- somebody else was back over here. Don. Then Jared, Yeah.
2: About a culture, you know, with a pastor already in the culture. Our little bitty church of 50 people, with Roy's help, just came through the process of trying to figure out our culture within our church and trying to call a pastor that would fit into that culture. We, unfortunately, 10 or so years ago, got a pastor that didn't fit. And it was five years of misery until we now have a pastor we think does fit. Yeah. So that's something that a a church without a pastor at this time, I I would certainly encourage them to look at that side of it because if the pastor doesn't fit. And it may look like they're going to fit at first, and our previous pastor did look like he was going to fit, but he didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Don. Appreciate that. Yeah. Jared? Yeah,
2: my my pastor mentor when I was in St. Louis in
3: at Covenant Seminary, he recently finished his doctorate ministry and his whole focus is, is is pastoral transitions from the founding pastor to the succession. And it's not necessarily for like if you're if you're sending a call, but even if you're early on in the in the, the planting founding process. So First, pastor, uh, first Pastoral tri- uh, Transitions. FirstPastoralTransitions.com. He offers consulting and all different kinds of resources for,
0: cool.
2: for founding pastors, for those that are. Really
0: awesome. Uh, Very good.
2: How do you get a better pastor?
0: Wow, that's. that's. Uh, I'm going to step away from
2: that question. Yeah. Uh yeah love on you
0: it's a good point absolutely yeah so how do you get a better pastor you give them grace you love them yep uh the art are you pray for them and don't just say I'm praying for you and then walk away um yeah um yeah absolutely appreciate that it's good. Simple. Simple, but true. All right. Any others? Thank you for your willingness to listen to me and your attentiveness. And uh, pray that the Lord moves you in this direction. All right. All right. Blessings.